Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're out of the conference championship round of the NFL playoffs, and there is one place to take care of all of your NFL gambling needs. That's betonline.ag. Head to to betonline.ag today. Make any of the wagers you want to during the conference championship games this weekend. 365, 24-7, whatever sport you want to talk about, just make sure y'all go to betonline.ag. Head to the website today. Use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers show on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by my guy, Pittsburgh Steelers scout, two-time Super Bowl champion, and 12-year veteran of the team, number 24, Ike Taylor. IT, a lot to talk about into the conference championship games this weekend. It's been too many moons since I've seen your face. How are you doing this morning, my man? I'm good, Mark. How are you doing? Fantastic. I got back from your home state of Florida this past weekend. I am re-energized. And before we get into the conference championship games, before we get into what Yins think, who we think is going to win the Super Bowl, we're going to talk some Steelers. And I first want to start out uh, for anyone that missed our conversation with Craig Wolfley, the Steelers color analyst, played for the Steelers back in the 1980s. Go check out last week's episode. I, we had a great conversation with Craig. Yeah, I had a good conversation, Mark. Sorry, my uh, my Wi-Fi wasn't good. My service wasn't good because my son and I was at the uh, ophthalmologist. But other than that, uh, just looking at, you know, Wolf's resume, talking about his resume, talking about what it was to be a Pittsburgh Steelers. And you fast forward to the 2000 when I played, there was no difference. Everything just basically boiled down to a brotherhood. So since the 70s to the 80s to the 90s to the 2000s when I played, if you just want to sum it up in one word, what it was to be a Pittsburgh Steelers to this day, it's the brotherhood. Absolutely. So go check that out and thank him on social media if you enjoyed that conversation. I Just listening to it back gave me chills thinking about the parallels, about the relationship you have with Troy Polamalu and how that was very similar to the relationship he had with the late, great Tunch Ilkin as well. And just a lot of the parallels and similarities, even decades later, shows you why the Steelers are one of the greatest franchises in all of sports. Yeah, no question, Mark. Um, it, it, it brought chills when he talks about uh, Tunch. Um, and the comparison was me with, with Troy as well. So, yeah, it's just a good feeling. Um, it's good to have somebody, uh, uh, an OG, as we would say, an older person, who understood what it was in the 70s and 80s in the Pittsburgh Steelers. And pretty much they laid down the foundation of what we had to become in the 2000s. So we always tried to mimic um, the old 70s Steelers because they laid all the ground rules. They taught us what it was. They still came around. We thought they should have came around more. Um, They thought they should stay in the background because it was our time. But at the same time, Mark, man, it's just, you know, being around greatness, that's what these old heads got to understand. You you hear you hear about the greatness, but actually seeing and being around the greatness is totally different. So, you know, just being around greatness is just give you a different feeling of life in general. Yeah. So go thank Craig. Listen, like there's only a handful of people who can know what it's like going up Correct. against one on one against Mean Joe Green and a skunk in this past year's training camps. So we had a really right. fun conversation right. with Craig. Thank you to him for that, too. But I let's get into today's show. Matt Canada is coming back 
as the Steelers offensive coordinator for the 2023 season. And if the Steelers can improve upon the offense that we saw in the back half of the year, really they think about Kenny Pickett's development. That's one facet of this. But I I like it. I liken it to this. When the Steelers started out two and six, and then they go seven and two on the back half of the season. It was the running game that really got going with Najee Harris. And if you can build upon that with what was a young offense, I understand this offense was very flawed this past season, but if you can continue that progression and start where you left off late in the 2022 season, you know, you're going to have to live with this reality, but I wanted to get your takeaway and your thoughts about Matt Canada coming back next season. Yeah, he bought him some life. He got a lifeline. The reason why Matt Canada got himself a lifeline was the production of Kenny Pickett um, after the Thanksgiving holidays. And, you know, just coming down in clutch moments, you know, calling clutch calls and Kenny Pickett just making the best out of every situation. You know, Kenny Pickett won a few games um, as a rookie down the stretch for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you got to just tip your hat off to Matt Canada. What he did do was to tune up the running game and offensive line. I think Pittsburgh has was the only offensive line group Mm -hmm. who played every snap together. So when you have that, you have the camaraderie. Um, It was tough during the training camp season but we all saw and now you just get Najee sticking his foot in the ground and going north and south instead of east and west and and, and that helps um as well when you have a second and second and three a third and three instead of a third and ten a third and twelve so I just look at a production that Kenny Pickett have from the beginning of the season to the end you got to tip your head off to Matt Canada I look at the running game um, and how they changed up the running game a little bit schematically you got to think you got to tip your hat to Matt Canada and just, you know, what we've been saying the whole time was, hey, find a way to give GP that ball, you know. <laughs> give give that dog that ball. Give that Georgia Bulldog that ball. So they found ways. Um, you can say it all you want to say, and I know just a few teams down the stretch, oh, Pittsburgh run the same offense, we blase, blase. But at the same time, you got to stop it. <laughs> and, they, and they couldn't stop it going down the stretch. But I think Coach Matt Canada – bought himself some time because of Kenny Pickett and where he was at the beginning of the season to where he's at now. You know, as of now, you have a franchise quarterback in Kenny Pickett. Yeah, let's stick with Pickett for just a second here, Ike. Uh And it was the turnovers early on. And then towards the back half of the season, he understood when he could take his shots and understood, okay, yes, you get frustrated where you see they finish with 12 touchdown passes on the season but he wasn't turning the ball over. Now going to the running game, I look at Najee Harris's production before the bye week, he was averaging 45 rushing yards per game after the bye week, that figure at 74, that shows you all the difference you need to know. Jalen Warren got going into the mix. And then the last four games, when the Steelers eclipse 150 yards in each of the last four games, that to me would be the recipe going into next season is you need to build upon what you started to build on the back half of this past season. And that needs to be your base for this upcoming season, because if there is a regression, the fear would be that, okay, you're delaying the inevitable with Kenny Pickett's development. Like we talked about this several weeks back to where if you were going to bring in an offensive coordinator, a new one, you had to have a tangible upgrade because I look at other young quarterbacks that have struggled in this league and it's let's rip the Band-Aid off to try to f- treat a flush wound. And then you're doing the same thing each offseason with a new offensive coordinator and a new system and new terminology and a new playbook. And that stunts the development of a young player. 
the, the, the idea would be build upon what you had on the back half of this season and let that serve as your basis for 2023. Because big picture, Ike, and I'm going to land here. Kenny Pickett, you're going to have four more years of his rookie deal left to where you can load up the team around him and allocate money to positions of need. While he's on his rookie deal, we're seeing what the Bengals are doing right now with Joe Burrow. You've got to get back into contention while you're still not paying a premium at the quarterback position because it's looking like right now, I know it's been one year, Kenny Pickett's going to be that guy, the next quarterback, the heir to Ben Roethlisberger, who's going to get that big, big contract four years down the line. Yeah, you can't take for granted that Kenny Pickett vouched for Matt Canada. So outside the outside the building, um, everybody was trying to, you know, get rid of Matt Canada inside the building. Kenny Pickett, like, okay, I'm getting comfortable. This is this is my guy. Can we can we keep Matt Canada? And of course, if you got a, a young stud like Kenny Pickett talking like that, you got to take into consideration on keeping Matt Canada. Matt Canada. So yes, um, the Pittsburgh still is dead, but. You know, move, move it, moving forward, um, just looking at Kenny, um, I've seen this before, and I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. I didn't see the Tom Brady's cool in the pocket. Um, I'm seeing Joe Burrow. I think the world is seeing Joe Burrow. As of now, um, Tom Brady is just sitting in the pocket, confidence sitting in the pocket, and Kenny Pickett, you know, I'm not saying he's on their level. But far far as like being clutch, cool, calm, and collective, he have that about him. So um, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh hit when they got Kenny Pickett. Um, I didn't think uh, they know how much they hit, but we can't forget this guy did a hell of a job as a rookie for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I go back to what the players say. And when we were talking with Craig Wolfley a week ago, and obviously he's going to sell the Steelers as the color an- analyst, but when he says this is how legends are made, the comeback drives against both the Raiders and the Ravens. And I hear that from a former player, legends. And Craig's gone against all of the Steelers greats as a player back in the day. That resonates a little bit more with me than just, okay, what my own two eyes are saying or what your average Joe analyst is saying, just given his connection with Pittsburgh for decades. Yeah, um, as in the words of my son, when he want to keep everything short, because you know they abbreviate everything in the text message. <laughs> Sorry, say that again, Ike. Say less. There we go. There we go. Ike, we will move <laughs> on. We will move on. Brian Flores interviewing with several other teams. So he's going to interview with the Cardinals. Listen to what the player says. This is a quote from Chris Wormley, Steelers defensive line, direct quote. If you see what he did, from being 32nd in run defense before he came in to top 10 in run defense. He had a big part in that. I think teams would love to have a guy like that, end quote. Tells me everything I need to know. Now, I think the Steelers are lucky that with the Browns defensive coordinator vacancy filled by Jim Schwartz, Joe Woods is out of the picture in Cleveland. I I think the Steelers dodged a bullet there. I think Brian Flores is going to get a lot of interest in other teams. And it's a a double-edged sword for me. Because I think about it, are you just interviewing Brian Flores to fulfill uh, the Rooney quota? Or are you actually considering him? And as much as I think he should actually be considered, I want him on this Steelers coaching staff for the 2023 season. So I have mixed thoughts about the whole thing. Yeah, well, Coach Brian Flores, uh, when you got a former head coach uh, sitting as a, you know, assistant defense coordinator slash linebacker coach, um, 
it takes a lot of pressure off your DC and Coach Tomlin as well because we all know when Coach Brian Flores was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, one thing they had was a defense. Turnovers, 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 turnovers. And we didn't like we didn't like at first when Brian Flores was was getting rid of a lot of good players. Thanks for giving us Minka, Coach Brian, a lot. And he was getting these first round draft picks, but little did we know he was making a hell of adjustments and he damn near built that roster. So yes, um, Coach Daniels have that roster now for the Miami Dolphins, but for that foundation, Coach Brian Flores has, has built that. So when you get a coach like that, who is the head of a organization and knows how to adjust and know and know how to move chess pieces throughout an organization, now you got them on your staff. That's a lot of value. And yes, just selfishly speaking, Mark, I feel just like how you feel. I hope he doesn't go anywhere. I hope he stays with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now on Coach Brian Flores' behalf, I hope Coach Brian Flores get an opportunity to be a head coach again on his behalf or a defensive coordinator on his behalf. But yes, selfishly speaking, when you have a guy like that in the building, you want to keep them around as long as possible. Speaking of Kenny Pickett as well, it was Brian Flores who he credited with helping him with two-minute drill and two-minute drill execution as well in terms of what you need to do in late-game situations to put your team in a position to win. So it's not just, okay, we wanted the front seven short up. We wanted the run defense short up this past season. That happened. It's the influence he's having throughout the locker room and other players in, in in the Steelers building, in the facility. Yeah, I mean, he, he's. I mean, he was a, a former head coach, so you t- he he understands um, offense and defense. And for Kenny Pickett, for a quarterback to talk about a linebacker coach like that, that says like, okay, coach really knows what he's doing, you know. So basically, you got two head coaches. You got Coach T, who was a legendary uh, future Hall of Fame head coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you got a former head coach and from Miami coach Brian Flores sitting on the same staff. You know, so when you got an offensive guy talking about a defense, when you have an offensive rookie talking about a defensive staff um, coach, that says a lot, again, just about the value uh, Coach Brian Flores is bringing to to the table because Kenny Pickett could have said anything about an offensive, <laughs> offensive guy. So the fact that he said something on the defensive side, um, he knows and the organization knows and Coach Brian Flores knows how important two-minute situations are because when Kenny Pickett get in two-minute situations in the game, um, nothing rattles him. It's like he wakes up. So shout out to Coach Brian Flores for your sake. Um, Unselfishly speaking, Coach Brian, I hope you do get the job you want. But selfishly speaking, I hope your ass don't go nowhere. (laughs) Ike, we love Tomlin on this show as well. And it's not just about Tomlin. Take this outside of the other 31 franchises in the league. Speaks volumes about him to be comfortable enough to allow his coaches to do his job, Ike, because there are other coaches in the league that would say, no, 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 no. I want to get credit for this. Or no, 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 no. You're overstepping your ground. Stay in your lane. When you have 16 seasons, you don't have a losing season. I think it allows you to do that. But you credit Mike Tomlin to where, Ike, you always tell me, it's about we, not me. This is just yet another example of that. Man, we had Coach T on the show, and that's that's one of the questions I asked Coach T. You know, why why did he feel like he should have given Coach Brian Flores a lifeline out of all the things that was going on off the field? And Coach T said, why not? 
You know, he's saying the same thing Kenny Pickett's saying. He's saying the same thing you and I are saying about him. Like, if I can get a coach like that, a former head coach who can help, who can help, who can help, who can help. My pride is all the way at home. I ain't even bring my pride to the front door. So, uh, but you, you, you gotta, you, you gotta be very secure of yourself to make moves mm-hmm. like Coach T is making. Cause it's a lot of insecure. It's a lot of insecurities in the NFL. Um, you don't want nobody. You don't want to feel threatened. So say when you at that level, but Coach T like, man, that's whatever. I'm Coach T. When Coach T wake up in the morning, he'd be like, man, I'm Coach T. So I can hire, I can hire whoever I want to hire. So um, it, it's just saying a lot about Coach T on his unselfishness as a person, as a coach, as a businessman. But at the same time, it's showing like how much secure he is in himself. I think it's time for what Yins think, where our viewers and listeners weigh in. And this one comes from Mark B in North Carolina. And he writes, Ike, what was your welcome to the NFL playoffs moment? Oh, man. Uh, so we that's when, we, that's when we won the Super Bowl in 2005. And we was a sixth seed. And we had, we had to go to uh, Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati was the fourth best offense in the league at that time with Ocho, R.I.P., Chris Henry, and uh, T.J. Husmizada. And uh, the energy, the energy was real high in that stadium. It was so high that Brian McFadden, um, during the TV timeout, it got so heated. I think we cursed everybody, including including Coach uh who was the head coach at the time? We so cursed Marvin the, Lewis. Yeah, we 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 cursed. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and apologize. I'm sorry for being very disrespectful, but we cursed everybody, including Coach Maul, on that sideline during the TV timeout. Um, I mean, the whole defense was on the sideline. I think the only person that ain't cursed nobody on the Cincinnati sideline was was Troy. Of course, we call him Baby Jesus, so he ain't cursing nobody out. But other than that, but other than that, Mark. When we walked back to our sideline, I saw Brian McFadden. He was crying. And we was like, B-Mac, what the hell are you crying for? B-Mac said, man, the energy is so good on that goddamn field. I'm crying for Coach LeBeau to call uh, nickel package. And nickel package is when uh, a, a linebacker come out and you bring an extra DB in. But that's, how, that's, that's, that's when I knew, like, oh, it's real out here. So for B-Mac to be crying to get – in the game, in the game, for him to be crying to and tell Coach LeBeau, can you please call? So, Nickel, this was Nickel. This was our Nickel package. Can you please call Nickel? Because what these boys are doing on the field, I want to be a part of this. <laughs> how they talking, how they acting, how they hitting. I remember Chris Hope, uh, Chris Hope, Florida State guys, well, a lot of safety. Um, he hit Ocho. Chris Hope hit Ocho, and, and Chris didn't curse too as well. So I had two hard-hitting safeties that used a curse word. He said, <laughs> Mark, Chris Hope told Ocho, I'm going to go on and let Ike speak for me because I don't curse, but I'm going to let Ike curse for me. So I, you can say whatever you want to say to him. And I probably said every bad word you can think of in the book. It probably made up a few bad words as well. But <laughs> the fact that 
the level, the energy level, Mark, on the field when we played the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't like using the word hate. I hated the Bengals. That day, as much as I did for the Baltimore Ravens, I hated the Bengals. And everybody felt the same way. But from the kickoff all the way towards the end of the game, um, it's real out there, Mark. It's real. But when I saw Brian McFadden crying, I said, oh, my gosh. You know, I ain't talking about tears of sadness, tears of joy. I say, and then after the game, I say, Mac, was it was it that real? He said, bro, you just don't understand the electricity that y'all had on the field. That stuff shifted towards the sideline. So I've never wanted to be part of something so bad <laughs> in my life. So, but um, that that was probably that was a huge moment for me seeing BMAC share share tears to get on the field because on how violent the environment was on the field that we was bringing. How does that differ from your run of the mill average regular season game, Ike? The electricity. Boy, that regular scale that 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 that's Mark. Like you want. Like for that game, you for a regular season game, um, you you want to inflict pain on a on a man. That's all you want to do, inflict pain. For the playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals in 2005, we was trying to take souls, and that's something only God can do. We was trying to take souls out of men. Like you're just wired all the way different when it comes down to the playoff, to the playoff game. And the more you win in the playoffs, the more focus you just, you just, I would say this, you just get into the matrix. I don't know if anybody ever seen the movie matrix. If you haven't seen the movie matrix, make sure y'all go see a movie matrix. It's an old school movie. Mm -hmm. But once you get into the matrix, you don't, you don't never get out of it. And and that was us Um, regular season inflicting pain. Playoffs for that Super Bowl run, we taking souls. And Ike, I've got one more question and we will move on because I could talk to you till sundown about this. <laughs> that was the game that Carson Palmer injured his knee to, correct? Right, correct. How did the energy change when the injury happened to Carson Palmer? Well, Kimo, who was our defensive uh, tackle, I mean, for me, I thought Kimo probably was one of our best defensive tackles we ever had, including uh, Casey Hampton. And company, company, but um, Kimo, Kimo actually hit him and messed up Carson Palmer's uh, knee, and he felt bad about it because he's just a good person. Like he's violent on the field, but uh, causing injury, he didn't want to cause no injury, so he was very upset. But you couldn't tell Cincinnati that they they thought Kimo did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. And so they was going crazy on that sideline, and that's when all that's when the intensity level. Just went all the way up, Mark. So that's when the doing the TV timeout, we just went bananas. We and and, and Coach Cowell loved every bit of it. <laughs> loved every bit of it. So when you got the green light from your head, man, like this is just what it's gonna be. It's like, oh, so we ain't got no leash. I can't give y'all no leash. So you mean to tell me we can run through every stop sign? Our car doesn't have any brakes. Okay, this is what we're doing. 
I, we need to move on and bring this back because honestly, okay. I could talk to you till sundown. This is phenomenal, though. Phenomenal perspective from the 05 Super Bowl run ending and culminating in the Super Bowl 40 win against the Seahawks. Like, but we got four teams left Eagles, Bengals, Chiefs, and 49ers. Super Bowl. Who do you think's going to win and why? Ike, I'll give you the floor and then we'll go through each individual game as well. But who do you think's going to win the big game this year? Joe Snow. It's just, I love Joe Snow. And I, I think Ryan Clark, Ryan Clark, uh, he retweeted that video of Joe Snow. Y'all call him Joe Burrow. I call him Joe Snow. I changed his name from Joe Cool to Joe Snow. Man, when, 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 when Joe Snow threw that ball in the snow and he turned around and then a little 360 and then put that thing in slow motion and you just saw his body language like, oh, I'm here. Y'all know I'm the man. I ain't got to say too much. Make sure y'all get y'all refund checks, y'all refund checks back. Like when he did that during the warm-ups, I was like, oh my God. This dude, Joe Burrow is a real live rock star. He ain't even trying to be. Like he, He's just so having to be real good in the pocket. And he ain't even really trying to be. He's so cool in the pocket, he ain't even trying to be. Like he make all the clutch throws, he ain't even trying to be. Nothing rattles him, he ain't even trying to be. Talking about he was missing three uh, starting offensive linemen. You know what, yep. Joe was like, yeah, I'm Joe Burrow. Like, he he don't say it. He's just show it. Like, y'all know I'm Joe, right? Y'all know I'm Joe. <laughs> so Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow to me is like a, a skateboarder playing, playing quarterback. Skateboard guys are like modern-day hippies. They're real cool. It don't take much for them to be happy. They just real groovy people. That's Joe. Joe got that kind of personality, like, man, y'all know everything I'm, everything I do, I'm just cool. And y'all like Jamar Chase, right? Yeah. Y'all know who the stylist is? Who? It's me. Ask him. Like, dang, Joe, so you just do it all? Yeah, I pretty much do it all. That's how cool Joe Burrow is. So, yeah, I'm taking Joe Burrow since I'm talking about Joe Burrow so much, Mark. Yeah, you're good, Ike. And I love how during the replay of the playoff game against the Bills that they edited out the refunds comment that he made because they were going to play the game in Atlanta. I love how they edited that out. I don't know if you noticed that, Ike. No, no, I saw a yeah. Joe, Joe was like, not on my dime. Y'all can say what y'all want to say, but not on my dime. Ike, uh, I don't think the Bills took advantage with three linemen down. And I know the Bills don't have Von Miller. They weren't able to run the ball, which you've been telling me for weeks now. Like every single Mark, week, you've brought this up with the Bills. Go ahead, I knew, Ike. Go ahead, Ike. Mark, I knew sooner or later it was going to happen. Yep. But Mark, they kept talking about. See, this this is people who don't, who don't watch football. They kept talking about Joe Burrow offensive line, and we talked about this because we thought Pittsburgh should have been doing this earlier. When you have three new offensive linemen. The best thing you can do is find what a running run the ball. Game. Run the ball. Yep. And Joe Mixon was hurt during that during that little run. Mm -hmm. Piron didn't slack off at all when he got in there. Mm -hmm. So you got two Oklahoma running backs who are built the same, six two and some chains. Damn, they're two hundred and thirty pounds. Look identical. We just all know Joe Mixon is a tad bit better than Piron. But other than that, how do you help an offensive line that's depleted? You run the dang ball. And that's exactly what they what what they did in the first the first drive. They damn near ran the ball. They set the tone. And it was a wrap. But people forget one of them offensive linemen is a second round draft pick from Cincinnati. So it's not like he's bad. 
But at the same time, man, mm-hmm. I don't I, I just I just look at the overall big picture. I seen what Joe Cool did a couple of years ago when they went to Tennessee with a depleted offensive line. I seen what he did cover they what they sacked him ten times. Tennessee sacked Joe Joe Cool, Joe oh. Snow. Let me let me double check. I think it was nine. It was it was a ton, and that was the season Ike where he had the most sacks of any quarterback in the league. It still brought him to the Super Bowl. So yep. now you're talking about three offensive linemen, and he's on his way. If he can get past, you know, you no know, Magic Patty, if he can get past Magic Patty, it's, it's going to be something special. But other other than that, Mark, I mean, Joe Cool, bro. I mean. It's just, it's just. They got, they, they got the, they got the, the best balance offense when it comes down to passing and rushing the ball. They just so happen to have somebody special throwing it as well in Joe Cool. But the Buffalo Bills, I've been saying this, they need to draft a big running back mm-hmm. because in in the playoffs you need a running game because if you're up in the playoffs, you don't want to give the ball back. Um, to the opposing team. So what you do, you run the ball, you run the clock. So you try to give them as less possessions as possible. But now the Buffalo Bills, they don't want to listen to our show. They don't want to come on to believe it's still a podcast with Mark and I and understand like we really be spitting the truth. That's all we asked. We didn't ask the Buffalo Bills to do anything else but to draft a big running back who can take the load a little bit, take the load off of Josh Allen so Josh Allen don't have to be your running back and when you get to the playoffs, because usually the Buffalo Bills will get to the playoffs, you just hand the ball off. And when you need when you need Josh to throw the ball, you throw the ball with Josh. If you need Josh to run the read option because you got a big running back and everybody crashing down or you're running back, Josh will pull it and he become the runner. But no, don't nobody want to listen to us. But sooner or yeah. later, we'll find out. Well, it's like, you know, building a finesse team when you have to endure the elements of Buffalo late in the season, Ike. It was uh, nine sacks for the Titans against Joe Burrow in that playoff game last season, Ike. So um, just buttoning that up there. Having said all this, I I like Joe Burrow a lot. And whichever team wins, you're going to have arguments out there. Is it Joe Burrow? Is it Mahomes? I think it's going to be the Chiefs. They're at home. They're hungry because they have yet to beat Joe Burrow and this Bengals team. The Bengals are 3-0 against the Chiefs. They've had the Chiefs number. But at home, and down three offensive linemen, Ike, I think the Chiefs take advantage. I don't think the Bills took advantage of that, Ike, a week ago in the playoffs. And I'm going to take the Chiefs at home because we do this all the time, too. And it's, oh, where does Mahomes rank? And this is going to be a great showdown. I hope it's a playoff matchup we see for years to come. Right. But I think the Chiefs finally get it done against the Bengals this weekend, and which should be a great game, Ike. But I'm going to take the Chiefs in KC. I mean, uh, you would. I mean, you you from the yeah. Um, I mean, there right around the corner, like ain't no way, ain't no way. They they're not gonna let you take the Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm out of the will if I t- if I don't Correct. take the Chiefs in this Correct. game. Correct. So you gotta take the Chiefs. But what I will say, that high angle spray ain't nothing to play with. And I call him Magic Magic Patty for a reason because he does a lot. He finds a lot of magic outside the pocket. This high angle spray will force him to sit inside the pocket. So if you want to talk about pound for pound receivers, receivers, I'm like in Cincinnati receiving core over the the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Hang, hang on, Mike. Hang on, Mike. Before you do the matchups, though, when Mahomes went down against the Jags, though, and the backup comes in, what did they do? They ran the ball with Panchenko. That's what they did. 
No, they they not Panchenko. I had Panchenko as my fantasy running back, so he he did well for me this year. But I'm I'm just saying, if you want to look at receiving core, if you want to look at quarterback, if you want to look at running game, you can damn near say the quarterbacks are the same. The receiving core, you got to nod it off to the Cincinnati Bengals. Tight end, of course, ain't nobody like Travis Kelsey. That he's a cheat code. Running game, you got to give it to the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. Now, which will be an issue is y'all secondary. That will be the issue because y'all have a defensive line. Mm-hmm. Run it, run. Uh, y'all have a defensive line. I would take y'all deep. Oh, I don't know because Herbert, Hubbard and company. Oh, 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 Lord, this gonna be a good one. I think. I think they've been playing every time they play. It's been about three, twenty. I think what it was, 31, 28, 24, 27, uh, 21-24. So every time it's been about three. So the game's been good in general. And yeah, I know people have been saying uh, it, they hungry. Well, hell, what you was for when it was zero and one? What you was for when it was zero and two? What your stomach was for when it was zero and three? So how the hell you think the Cincinnati Bengals feeling? <laughs> like they feel they feel the same way so we shall see mark yes yes 27 24 27 24 34 31 ike so okay. you're spot on there <laughs> um <laughs> the nfc championship game 49ers and eagles eagles are a two-point favorite ike lincoln financial field in philly a tough right. stadium to go into and win i know we both Love the 49ers. We love Purdy right. and the whole story. Right. For me, these teams are so evenly matched. The 49ers defense is just nasty at every level. Right. I like the dogs up front for the Eagles, though, too. They have a good defensive line. To me, it's like who wins the battle between Hurts and Purdy. I'm going to go with Hurts. I could see Purdy if he wants to become a legend as the what the Mr. Irrelevant and going on the run and all the comparisons right. to Tom Brady. I'm going to go with the Eagles in this matchup, though, especially considering they're at home. But we've got two great matchups this weekend. No, Mark, you do. I mean, the Eagles have a loaded roster. The Eagles have two 1,000-yard receivers. They got a they got a they got a quarterback in Jalen Hurts. All he's done his whole life was come out of adversity. Whether I'm at Alabama, Oklahoma, or getting drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. And them, that organization in that city is unsure on what they're going to get out of me. That's all Jalen Hurts has been doing, just overcoming a lot, a lot of adversity. He's writing himself a good book for his career when it comes down to football. But, Mark, as talented as the Eagles is, I got to rock. I'm, I'm, I'm rocking with coaching staff. I got the best defensive coordinator in DeMarco Ryan sitting as a, sitting as a, a D.C., and I have the best offense coordinator in Kyle Shanahan sitting as the OC. So I'm saying this. I'm taking everything away from the field. I'm taking the players off the field. I'm going with the coaching staff. And the reason why I'm, I'm choosing the San Francisco 49ers is because I think they have the best OC and the best DC. And they're going to – and them two guys will win the game for the San Francisco 49ers. What a run that would be too, Ike, because this was a team, and I said it, I left them for dead the minute Jimmy G went down. And the fact that they're even in this game is absolutely incredible, and it's incredible with how they've been able to bring Brock Purdy along, Ike. I I thought there was no chance they would be here right now with Brock Purdy where he's at, and it's like 
for me, Ike, if the 49ers win this game and go to the Super Bowl, heck, even if they don't, if even it's competitive, to me, Brock Purdy's your starter for the 2023 season. Trey Lance can take as much time as he wants to coming back. Jimmy G, we'll see where he winds up in free agency. But Purdy is the guy to me, considering the run that this 49ers team has gone on this season. It's been incredible. I mean, I mean, Mark, that's that's Kyle Shanahan. You know, that's Kyle Shanahan. That's that's CMC. That's Kittles. That's Debo. That's Brandon Ayuk. And that's when you have a defense who only gives up 14.1 yards, I mean 14.1 points a game. So people, people got to understand, um, Brock is doing everything he needs to do, and that's knock on wood, not turn the ball over. And when he's in a situation, throw the ball out, throw the ball out of bounds and make plays with it, with his legs when he when he needs to. So as a rookie, Mark, if it's any team you and I will go to and we play quarterback, we got drafted. It would be the San Francisco 49ers. Amen. Amen. Because if you watch the last game against the Dallas Cowboys, it was one touchdown and four field goals. That's how they won the ball game. Just give me that's all the defense said. Give me one touchdown and four field goals. And we're going to win a lot of football games. So they're they not fly to the ball. Like it reminds me of some of the great defenses you played on back in the day. And just traditionally through the league where it's like the, 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 the how they fly to the ball is how defense should be coached in the league. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I get fired right. up thinking about it. No, it, it, cause you see it. I mean, you play football, mm -hmm. you, you see it like, and it's rare these days that all 11, run to the ball with violence as as good as the Philadelphia Eagles defense is and how deep they are it just it just looks different when San Fran when you're seeing San Fran play on defense it's everybody running to the ball violently but we got a hard out coming out soon so we definitely yes sir, yes, sir. Ike before we wrap up here playing at the link this weekend I wanted to get really quickly obviously okay. you played in the AFC where was the toughest place to win a playoff game on the road for you during your career? Ooh. Oh, adversity. At the time, I would have to say, I would have to say the Colts because they was pumping that music. They was pumping that sound music in that dome as well as it being real loud. And and this this was when Peyton Manning was Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning was Superman at the time. I mean, mm -hmm. Reggie and Marvin Harrison, Dallas Clark, Adrian James, and oh my lord! And Mercy. this was before Lucas Oil Stadium opened in 08, correct? Yeah, man they they, they had that they had that they had that dome. And it sounded like two hundred thousand people was in your right ear, like your left ear didn't even work. That's how loud that thing was, man. It sounded like two hundred thousand people just yelling in your right ear. So we was like, yeah, and, and the ground won't shake, and it felt like the whole thing was about to cave in on you that's how loud it was like it's like man but just being on that field then when, when the ball is snapped everything goes quiet it's crazy so you hit i'm talking like this because as the play is about to happen you hear everything as soon as paid man snapped that ball you hear nothing mm. so i would have to say that 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 dome they had was the loudest in my mind all right ike you're the absolute best we gotta go 
thank you as always, Ike. I want to thank today's show presenting sponsor, betonline.ag, the Believe Network, and our video producers over at Brinks TV, led by John Brinkus, Courtney Vargas, Herbert Diaz, producers Megan and Yancey. And Ike, uh, if I'm missing anything else, please fill in here. But thank you as always. Hey, make sure y'all give us a five-star, five-piece with our rating. Uh, make sure y'all go into all our social media net- networks. We appreciate everybody for tuning in um, and checking Mark and I on this Believing Podcast. I um, want to thank everybody who worked behind the scenes. Um, appreciate y'all. Got to always give a shout-out to BetOnline.ag for being with us from, from day one. So want to thank everybody for tuning in. So, Mark, you can wrap it up. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thanks for watching the Believe in Steelers show. Enjoy the playoff action and the conference titles games this weekend. Until then, take care. It's so long, everybody. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.